There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50% to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hello and welcome to the Gallant Few Weekend Sunday evening podcast. Uh, sorry, we're a bit late. A few technical hiccups here. Um, with me tonight is Mr. David Pollock. Welcome, Dave. And David isn't hearing me, I don't think. Are you hearing me, Bill? I can hear you fine, Dave. Oh. Okay, Bill, with me tonight is <laughs> Bill. <laughs> oh, you kind of froze there, Dave. Can you hear me, Bill? Yeah? Yeah, can hear you fine now. Okay. Um, Dave, I, I, I guess you can't hear you, You'll need to, uh, I'll give you the... Okay, we're giving a side. Um, Bill, I'll go with you just now. Oh, David, I'll need to cut out on, I think. Um, the first uh, thing I've got down in my, my, my list is that uh, we, we signed Dr. Mark Waller back today. Uh, not today, but this weekend. Uh, do you think that's a good thing? We do. It's certainly a really good uh, time. The last time he was here, he brought in a lot of good things. So, what do you think of that? Yep. Uh, he's supposed to be an injury prevention specialist, isn't he? And he's got a lot of good experience having worked with various English teams as well as, I think, the England Under-21 international setup. And, listen, if he can keep some of our players away from needing the treatment table in the first place, then I think that's a really good thing because when you look at sort of all the injury problems we've had in the last few years and... Boy, the, the current medical team, whenever somebody takes a knock, it seems to turn into a three-month injury. So if he can sort of do something to prevent our players getting injured in the first place, I think that's a really, really good step. 
Yeah, see, that's uh, the thing. A lot of people, I mean, I've been reading a lot of the, the, the sites at the, during the week and uh, a lot of people were saying, yeah, but he's not going to change the, the amount of injuries we've got. Well, he is a prevention uh, expert as well. So, I mean, he should be able to bring in some things that are going to stop the, the, these all these injuries that we've, had, we've been having. It won't stop them all, obviously, but still going to get injuries. I've seen a lot of people in, saying injuries are luck. Injuries are not luck. You get an injury because something is wrong. The, the, you're putting stress on where, where there's a weakness. It's not luck. It's, it's, you're unlucky if you get an injury. I'll give you that one. But it's not luck that you get an injury. There's something wrong, something weak somewhere. Uh, your ankles may be weakened by, by some sort. And then you put extra stress on it and you get an injury. But it's certainly not luck. David, uh, can you hear me now? I am indeed, yes. We're back on. <clears throat> okay, that's good. Um, welcome, Dave. Uh, <laughs> thanks for coming on. Um, we're talking about Dr. Weller getting signed during the week. Uh, what's your opinion of that? Uh, well, I just caught the tail end of what you were saying there, David. I think there is some merit in your argument that, you know, obviously uh, the sports signs that are available to our our club and other clubs, you know, today are light years away from, you know, where it was 25, 30 years ago when, you know, you pretty much just had to uh, take an injection and go on with it. But the the analysis of the player's health and, and their general fitness <clears throat> is done to three decimal points these days. So uh, I think, you know, obviously you're a hostage to the players on the other team, you know, whether they clatter you or not. So you can, uh, you know, take a sore one. But I think uh, we should be certainly uh, minimising our players should be as fit as possible. Really, that's it. So the more in terms of, in terms of strains, you know, if you're going to take you know one a, a kick to the knee or the ankle or something, then that's something different. But in terms of hamstrings, you know, and calf muscles, and that's all something which is largely preventable. If it's predictable, then it's preventable, and that's something which uh, I'm hoping that you know <clears throat> this guy's obviously worked with us before. He, was, uh, he did an excellent job first time round. I'm hoping we'll see the benefits of him second time round. We should have the best uh, medical staff we can afford to make sure that our players are f- as fit as they can be. There's always going to be niggles, but you know you can minimise that by by being professional, if nothing else. I think we can all say as well, the, the first time he was here under Gerard. You, the difference between the fitness of our players then and the fitness under Gio Verbronckhorst was just night and day, absolutely night and day. And let's hope we can, can get back to that fitness. I don't know whether he'll be bringing in a team uh, of, of all these science uh, people that are sports science people that are that are going to be giving us all different things to do. And I don't know what they all do. I'm not a sports science expert. In fact, uh, <laughs> The only thing I, I knew about science was uh, how, how to create babies, I'm afraid, but <laughs> so, that, that wasn't really science. Um, Bill, moving on, we seem to be clearing out the background, the, the backroom staff and getting in new staff. At, at the weekend, uh, Seb Jacobs was promoted. He wasn't brought in. He was actually promoted from the academy uh, head of scouting to the academy director now i don't know really what the what the difference is between the head of scouting and the academy director i take it 
I take it the then we'll be, now we'll be bringing in a new academy director of of uh, manager of of coaching. I don't know about this, but uh, I, I think we needed we needed definitely new breath of fresh air in the academy. Aye, um, and I mean I think just in terms of the difference, I suppose what you would say as the director of the academy will be probably responsible for like a kind of strategic vision for the whole academy set up, you know, whereas the, the head of academy coaching will be responsible specifically for coaching and will be answerable to the director. But on the wider point about, you know, a clear out and, you know, I've heard the word like revolution used a few times and, you know, reset, rebuild, all of that. And as it's what's going on across the club, um, and just to touch on Mark Waller as well, you know, you made a really good point a minute ago, Davy, about fitness under Gerard and how that that sort of went away under Gio. And, you know, my hope is that Beale's going to kind of bring us back to where we were before in terms of player fitness, because if you looked at kind of the first half of this season that's that's just gone, um, so the fitness levels were atrocious. They really were. You know, it's we looked knackered sometimes after 60, 70 minutes. Um, so hopefully this whole clear out of the backroom and appointment to these roles and bringing in new people and fresh blood and all of that, as well as some fresh playing staff, hopefully that starts to send us in the right direction. Yeah, that's that, that's for sure. Um, Dave, uh, we, we've been promised uh, that we're going to have the Tip Top uh, Academy. Everything's going to be world-class and we're going to produce world-class players by... I said, is this just big talk or do you think there is a possibility we could get the coaching to that level? Uh, well, remember, this is Rangers Academy doesn't exist in a vacuum. It exists, you know, in a, in a national, international football world. So bringing, you know, world-class players through uh, is going to be difficult because we've seen what happens, you know, when they show some potential, you know, when they're early teens, mid-teens, you know, the other clubs who have got way bigger budgets than Rangers come calling. Uh, so our ability to get players to the first team, I think, is what's let us down. Or, or we haven't been as successful as we hoped we would be. Uh, how we would change that, I mean, I'll have to uh, defer to Zeb's superior knowledge because I, I find it's, it's a tough ask. To the point where you, you wonder whether it's uh, actually worthwhile having an academy where you know, any starlet players will just be plucked out of there unless, you know, that they're, they're motivated, you know, with the, with, with the idea of playing for Rangers rather than being, you know, stinking rich by the time they get to, to 18. So it, it's always a difficult challenge. It's uh, obviously we have to kind of play within the, the level that we're at with our academy, but certainly we should be, uh, we should be doing better than we have been. Because our track record, you know, the last 5, 10, 15 years probably hasn't been good enough. There is, you could put, probably pick a handful of names, you know, of people who have come through our academy, eventually make it to the first team. It's uh, it's far too few. So if Zeb's got some ideas how to, how to increase that flow of players, I mean, it's just the transfer fees that we would, uh, that we would save, the transfer fees that hopefully we would make rather than constantly being buying in a first team. It's, it's somewhere we, we really should be putting some effort into getting to. 
but I, I do appreciate that it's a difficult challenge because we live in a very, very commercial world, particularly in football. Yeah, but I always think, see, when we're talking about this, then I always think, Bill, that surely the academy begins with coaching, or not with coaching, sorry, begins with scouting. And surely we we need to buck up on our scouting. I mean, I'm going to go back to, to look at the, a few years ago, we were told, oh, the, the, the group that are coming through now is absolutely brilliant. Then we get to the top level and they just seem to have fallen away. They don't seem to be anywhere. Then we get um, the, the, the look at the, the, the female, uh, the, the, the women's football. Started brought in a lot of money to, to make that great. We're going to be the best in, the, in the Celtic. have got one year and they're ahead of us already. We're, the, we're third in a three-horse race. And yet we're supposed to have pumped so much money into being first. They always just seem to fall down at the last hurdle. And it seems to be, in my view, the scouting that seems to be getting wrong somewhere. Uh, well, I don't know. I don't know a huge amount about the scouting that goes on for the academy, you know, because scouts will presumably be looking at players in schools and things like that. But, you know, if you look at some of the players that have come through recently, that, and you know, that there are some that look really exciting, but. Um, Davy's point about how do we actually get those guys into the first team because you know you get guys like Alex Lowry that have come all the way through the academy and they seem to be at that final hurdle now where you know they'll get on the bench and whatever but they're not actually getting a regular start in the first team and it's it's about how do we get whether it's the quality of player just that tiny bit more to actually make the dent in the first team I don't know but it's about how do we get that and how do we get it so that we can have in any given season, two or three players from the academy through into the first team, and then the following season, one or two of those will be regularly in the first team. You know, that's actually that's what we really need to be able to have is players kind of getting a regular start in the first team, and then you know once we've played them for a couple of seasons, we can maybe move them on or whatever and, and make the the profit then. But I, I don't know how you you achieve that. I don't have that expertise, obviously, but. You know, if the scouts are out in schools and things like that, that's clearly the key starting point. Um, and, you know, with the, Davies made a good point as well about how is if somebody looks to have a glimmer of talent, sometimes the bigger clubs or the English clubs or whatever will, will come in and try and snaffle them up and Rangers are just left with a kind of the second level, if you like. But, you know, it's, again, these guys, they're, they're coming through the academy. We can only get the ones that we can get they're coming through the academy. How do we actually get them into the first team? That's that's really the question. Yeah, that's uh, that, that that's for sure. Um, well, I mean, this is Eb. He's, he's been on uh, in the continent, so I mean, he must have. I know that Ajax they were wanting to bring in one and a half players every year. I know that sounds a wee bit stupid, but that that was their goal to have one and a half players coming through the academy every year. Now, I don't think we're getting anywhere near. Uh, we're not even getting no, no point, one and a half, hardly. Uh, when, what, what's the first change we need to make, Dave? Have you any, you any idea to this? What, scouting or, 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 or the, are the boys there good enough, but they're just not getting the, getting the, the, the good training that need, that's needed, the good coaching? 
Hey, well, I'm, I'm sure their coaching staff at the academy and, and the managers of the academy you know, are all very well-intentioned, but we just, I mean, I think Bill's just alluded to it there a moment ago. I mean, I'm thinking the last two players who you would have thought you've brought through the academy who've had a run in the football team, and I'm thinking here, you know, Nathan Patterson, Leon King, both only got to the first team because of injury, injury to the, what, a first team player. And an event with Leon King, it was just we'd run out of other any other options to, to play. So uh, it was out of sheer absolute necessity that we uh, we ended up playing these players. And, and in both instances, when you know the, the uh, other players became available, more season campaigners, they were then back out the team as soon as Tavernier was fit. Then uh, he was back in and, and Patterson was out. So. I think there has to be more of a pathway for to the first team for these players to give them some real incentive to think if you're good enough, if you work hard enough, and if you develop fast enough, then you will play for Rangers' first team. Uh, our track record in the last few years, as I said, it, it isn't very good. And, and surely, is that not the reason that the academy exists? The whole thing is only there to get players to Rangers' first team. And... Uh, you just wonder you worth whether it's 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 worth the candle, and and we just stop it, just wrap the whole thing up, and just say, do you know what? We'll just sign players in as soon as they get to you know seventeen, eighteen. We'll just uh, go on a spending spree and, and spend the money, and bringing in you know three or four players every year. We might get one out of the four, but that certainly we wouldn't be any worse than we're doing with an academy, which requires a full time staff and you know gosh probably hundreds of boys. So. It's it's yet to prove it's worth for me. Well, I, I know I done that for a long time, Dave. They just uh, they they had an academy, but what they did was bringing in boys at eighteen, nineteen, and keeping them in the academy for a year, and then pushing them through, and then they were claiming that they they were out the out their own academy, which was was a load of rubbish, really, because it wasn't. But they were getting all the plaudits for uh, having a so, such a great academy. Um, anyway, uh, Dave, what I want to I'll come back to you for a minute because I know it's a point that you and uh, this is all changes made by Bennett. Um, we've had Bisgrove, I'll, I'll come over to your way of thinking and say Bisgrove instead of Bygrove, the way I always said it. Um, what do you think Bennett's been bringing to the table recently? Do you, are you thinking it's positive or are you thinking it's negative? Oh no, positive. It's change. I mean, and because we need to, uh, to change things, we need to mix things up. Sometimes you just kind of go through the motions, and everyone gets too comfortable. And we've got to uh, always, always have them made aware that we need to improve all the time. So uh, I think things go stale when you don't uh, churn it over enough. I think it's something that we've been guilty of, particularly with the first team which has obviously the biggest effect, we should have had a bigger turnover of staff. The minute we won 55, we should have been looking to strengthen our team by at least three or four players. And we just uh, went with the same old, same olds into the next season. And and I think it was one of the games when... Uh, it was one of the Champions League games this year when when I'd, we'd set off and I, I met in the club with the guys that I go to the game with and then they announced the team. And then we were looking at the team, you know, which had uh, G, uh, 
Gio had announced for the Champions League, and I think everyone in the team was 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 from the Gerard era. We had there was no change whatsoever, and we we're saying, look, this is just exactly the same as as we, we went with before, and we all know how that went, but. <clears throat> Uh, I think we should be looking to chum things over. And I think John Bennett has certainly, if nothing else, he's certainly brought the wind of change through Ibrox and throughout departments, you know, playing and non-playing. Uh, and hopefully with Jane Bisgrove, he's got a, a good ally. And, and I'm looking for Rangers. Obviously, they're not going to get everything right. But if they get more right than wrong, then certainly we should be making progress. And, and I'm hoping that's what we, we that John Bennett's going to bring to us. That we can't, we're going to improve. Well, are you a Bennett fan, or are you uh, got any negative thoughts on what he's been doing up to now? No, not really any negative thoughts. Jury's still out a little bit. Um, I think, you know, with the current leadership team and the the setup, things are changing all the time, and they'll be judged in the longer term based on what we achieve on the park. Ultimately, won't they? As well as keeping us on a sound financial footing. Um, and see, just to, to kind of touch back on what you were talking about a minute ago, you know, all, all of this change in the back room. I was kind of thinking about what you mentioned there about the, you know, the Ajax set up and how they're bringing players in in 1819, put them in the academy for a season and then put them into the first team. But, you know, something that's always struck me about the Ajax set up and why it wouldn't really work for us is that our fans demand that we win every season, you know. Ajax will go a couple of seasons without winning the league, and as far as I, I'm aware, you know it's no the end of the world for their supporters the way it is for ours. Um, so that, that's just kind of something to consider because, you know, it's it's on the manager obviously to bring the academy players through and put them into the first team, but he's under all this pressure to be constantly winning, and so perhaps that's another reason why it's it's really really difficult for players to get into the first team is that that kind of demand that the team constantly wins. Yeah. Um, Dave, we started a few a week ago or something like that with the CEO Fans Forum. You were you were in, invited to that, I think. Uh, I think you had to go at the last minute. Um, I'll get my doubts about it, to be honest with you. Uh, my doubt is why invite, I don't know, I think it was about 200 people when you're not going to answer questions live, if you, if, if they're going to have the questions answered before the time, they can just stop, save 200 people a journey to Ibrox and give them give the answers on a sheet of paper on the, the website. They don't need to invite 200 people just to have set questions and set answers, surely. That did cross my mind, Dave. You know, obviously, I was I'd set out to go and, and I had to stop off. I'd, I had a meeting in Bellsill and, and eventually didn't make it because I fucked it up. I hibsed it, as I said. But the you're right. I mean, there's no need for anyone to go there and sit in front of them to answer uh, pre-prepared questions. I mean, you could just do that. Just make a Twitter will do do you there? Just say, so here's the question, here's the answer. So there's, if there's not going to be any dialogue, then uh, you don't need to be in the same room. So there was a wee bit window dressing in, in terms of uh, how that was presented, because I think they, uh, they should answer questions, you know, face to face, live, you know, and, and get a response. You know, is it 
I don't know whether it's a, so the exercise is all about PR and, and ticking a box and going through the motions. I, I pray to God that it isn't that because uh, they should be able to uh, take questions from the floor and, and give give honest answers. Whatever that may be, it isn't always going to be what we want to hear, but it should certainly be in terms of uh, what, what Rangers require at that particular moment, you know, something which is sensible. We're not always going to agree, but I mean, our interests are all, in, uh, all, all really the same. You know, everyone wants the same thing. They want Rangers to, to do better. So there may be answers that you, you don't agree with, but ultimately, uh, we're all on the same side here. So I, I don't really see the problem with answering questions live, but clearly they balked on it. Maybe it's something that they'll move towards as they get a wee bit more comfortable once they realise that we're, uh, they don't turn up with pitchforks and, and torches <clears throat> for any answers that, that, that don't go their way. So I know I'm hoping that uh, it's, it's going to be one wee bit at a time, but... We'll see how this progresses. Obviously, the the document which they produced is uh, it's quite extensive in terms of the the range of, of fan engagement activities that they're hoping to put in place. So I'm hoping that the this will just be one aspect of that, and that you know as we get more comfortable with it, it can be a wee bit uh, maybe expanded. Just let it out a wee touch in terms of taking a risk of, of taking questions from the floor. Should never be able to shy away from that. I always get the impression from the Rangers AGMs that the the people who are on the on the podium, you know, are, are absolutely terrified of what's going to be said from the floor, and you know, and, and, and they get very defensive. And you saw Ross Wilson last time when he when he felt he had to kind of justify his own position because he was he, he felt as if there was some hostility from the floor. So yeah. I can slightly understand, you know, exactly why they would want to go with prepared answers instead of, you know, shooting from the hip. But hopefully as, as we get a, a wee bit more used to it, they can do that because they should never be uh, scared of the range of support, surely. That it's just, almost sounds crazy to say it. Yeah, and as I say, it's getting, uh, I believe, 200 people into uh, coming out of their houses actually for no reason. And yeah. they just want to listen. As I say, they can put that. We're, 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 in these days, we're talking about presentations all the time. Bill's got a presentation to bring in players. When we the, the the annual general meeting, we had a presentation from all different kinds of things. And that seems to be the way. And I, I just think it's pretty not right, having 200 people moving and then not being able to ask live questions. You get any thoughts on that, Bill? Well, do you know this? Um, I, I remember coming on here one Sunday night uh, and I, I, I cannot remember the specific game that we'd played at Ibrox where the Union Bears didn't turn up and there was no atmosphere and we talked about at that time how it was such a great shame that the the Rangers board, the people in charge of running the club, wouldn't speak to the supporters um, and I know obviously getting folk to turn up when you've already got the questions answered um, you know, it's, it's a bit like you said, Davey, window dressing. But it's a step. It's a step in the right direction. And there is a programme for fan engagement now, which has got to be something that's positive. Um, hopefully, you know, as supporters, we can engage with that positively and try and make a difference. Because I, I do think that there was certainly a perception throughout the last season, maybe even two seasons, that the board was just not interested in listening to or 
speaking to the supporters. Um, so if that's something that can change, I think that's that's a really good thing. Um, David, the the singing section, a lot of people get moved out of their seats, obviously, to get the the Union Bears into the, the, the tickets behind the goal at the Copeland Road end. Um, is, uh, if you were sitting there, would, would you be happy with that? Or, or what do you think? Should there be a... How, how did it work? How did it work that out? I would better. I would be delighted. I would if it if it brings a better atmosphere to the stadium, it provides us better support for the team on the pitch. Why would you not want to give up your seat? Why? I mean, it's not. You know, I know everyone gets hung up in this. It's my seat. Well, it's not your seat. You only rent it for a season at a time. So, but for the greater glory of of, of the team and the atmosphere in the ground, who who would possibly object? You know, to saying right. If I move, it's better for everyone. So then uh, I'm sure most people would be agreeable to that. Obviously, you'll get some people who will be, uh, you know, come what may, you know, no, that's my seat and you didn't. I've been here, you know, 15 years and it's every week we come here, say, well, do you know, we need to change. See, just as we need, we're asking John Bennett to change other things throughout the club. We need to change the first team. We need to change our, our medical staff. Things need to change for things to improve. So I think if we were to persuade them, you know, and, and explain to them that this is for the benefit of everyone, it's for the benefit of the, the team, then uh, I'm, I'm sure we could persuade them. It, is, it's an, it's, it would be a dialogue thing. It'd be an, we're not going to be twisting arms and sending people an email and say, by the way, you're now moving. I think uh, there's a wee bit of salesmanship, you know, required that they go in and explain exactly why we're doing it. It's for the it's for the greater glory of Glasgow Rangers, who would possibly be against this? So it really depends how they handle it. But I'm sure the bulk of people would uh, would go with it. Because you see the difference that the, the union bears make. And I think if we were more organised and and the club, you know, invested more with it and into the support and the, and the match, the atmosphere and, and what we can bring to the stadium. I mean, I've said this before about, you know, the, the Leipzig game, which is kind of seared in my memory. And and the, and the run throughout the Europa League that year about you know the the ability of the Rangers support to influence those games that really kind of brought me around because I was before was thinking do you know what there could be ten people in this the stadium could be a hundred thousand people in the stadium they're professional football football players <clears throat> they'll go out and play as they have to play but that that run persuaded me that that was a load of shit and that the support will actually influence what happens on the pitch. And it certainly did. So I think we are kind of duty bound to explore all options to get a better range of support, you know, behind the team. The better we, we become connected between the support and the team, the better things are for us all. And uh, anything that we can do to improve that, we should grasp it with both hands. Um, well, I agree with uh, Alex Kelly, was it? That the, the only way to improve the team is to... to money into the team uh, I think it was he said investment yeah, to buy quality players I do agree with that but there is a fact that uh, if you have a, a player then the first thing they say is oh the atmosphere at Ibrox is, is great uh, on European nights and it helps us so I, I think there is a, a point that it is helping the players uh, Bill you mentioned I've seen you flashing up there uh, safe standing. 
I think the union bears are going to be standing anyway. There's, I don't think there's any way you're going to keep them fast in a seat. Are we actually, if we don't allow safe standing, are we actually creating a danger that somebody could get injured falling over seats? I, I wonder if we're missing a trick, certainly I. Um, and, you know, it's you can say there's a danger that somebody will fall over a seat, but whilst they're sitting in place, it's, it's really on the person who's falling over the seat because they shouldn't be standing to fall over the seat anyway. But, you know, um, I, I think it's something that would be really positive. Um, I remember as a wee boy watching the football, you know, like when I was only maybe about eight, nine or ten, um, and the grandfather used to take me to games sometimes and, you know, like uh, two o'clock on a Saturday afternoon, he'd already be half cut and we'd snow up in the main stand. And, you know, I'd, I'd stand, I'd stand throughout pretty much the entire game and the old blokes behind me would be shouting at me to sit down because they couldn't see and all of that. And as you get older, you don't want to stand the entire match and that's fine. I think we all understand that, but you get these young guys in their 20s and maybe 30s or whatever, that are wanting to stand, that are wanting to jump about, that are wanting to make a bit of noise and support the team. I think there's a huge benefit from it. Davey, as you said, you know, that game against Leipzig and indeed the, the rest of the Europa League run, I think, uh, you know, the team on the park really got a lift to that type of atmosphere. And I, I don't think you can, you know, you, you'll never get that in a league game unless maybe it's against that law and we're, you know, we're ahead or something like that. But it'd be... Few and far between, certainly in terms of league games. But if we can improve the atmosphere a bit for league games, and this is one thing that could do it. So, you know, kind of moving the singing section right behind the goals, but also the standing as well. I think people have got a bit more license to make a bit more noise if they're all sort of standing rather than sitting. I don't know what you guys think. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Well, well, good morning. I see, uh, see the comment you've just made, David, about uh, we have unsafe standing at the moment. I can't remember the last time I went to Hamden and actually sat in the seat. Because any time I've gone to, I think it was the, it would have been in the South Stand, so that would have been probably the Novo Cup final the last time I was in the South Stand. Every other time I've been to Hamden since then, everyone stands anyway. So there's there are seats there, but no one sits in them. So we, we effectively have, well, standing, but whether it's safe standing, you can, you can argue the toss. 
So I don't think the club would be doing anything that radical. You obviously they have to change the infrastructure, but the a lot of the, as you said, the union bears stand anyway. So it's uh, and a lot of people in the Copeland front already stand. So I can I can see them from the club deck. You know who stands and who sits down. So there's it, it varies throughout the stadium. But as I said, when when the Rangers go to Hamden, no one sits down. Certainly not in the west stand. Certainly not in the north enclosure. Uh, the, the north stand as it is now. So I, I I can't remember. Well, it was I can remember. It was the south stand when Nacho Novo scored against Falkirk. It was the last time I sat down when I had a seat, you know, in, in the south stand rear. When I go to the other stands in Hamden, everyone stands anyway. So it, it, we're not a million miles away from where we want to be. It was going to cost us some money to uh, put the railings in and things like that, but everyone stands anyway. And now if it improves the atmosphere, it gives the Rangers fans, you know, you know, a better opportunity to back the team, then then we do it. It's, it's a no-brainer. Yeah, well, I've got a, a negative side to that, Dave. Uh, my cousin's wife, he she goes to Ibrox. The two of them go to Ibrox every week uh, for years and years and years. They have a season ticket for years and years and years. And last year, she stood up to see because everybody else was standing. And Rangers scored. And the people next to her went daft, knocked her off her feet, and she's not been able to get by since because she broke her hip. Um, so there is a negative side to it. I think you've also got to watch who's round about you and have a bit of respect for people round about you because, uh, as, as I say, my cousin's wife, is uh, that, that's her. She can't go to Ibrox anymore. Well, she's Dave, been can I just step in there? Because that, that's, that's another good reason why we should do it. Because everyone who goes to the safe standing area knows that they're going to stand. So they know in advance of what they're getting into. Whereas at the moment, you know, it's very much localised in terms of who wants to stand, who wants to sit down, you know, and there'll be a mixture between the two. And then, oh, I can't see sit down. So if you go to the safe standing area, you pretty much know what you're getting involved in. So I, I think you only make the case for it rather than argue against it. Totally agree with you, Dave. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not against safe standing. I'm all for it. I must admit, I, I was in the Dortmund. Somebody mentioned the Dortmund in the comments. Uh, I, I've been to the Dortmund standing area. Um, it's not good for me because I'm, I'm I'm pretty small and I couldn't see a damn thing. There was all, all these giants in front of me and I couldn't see a damn thing. So it's not for me. I, I would prefer to sit. But I, I definitely think if you are interested in, in just standing, that there should be a safe standing area, 100%. All with that, and it's, it, it does make a great atmosphere at Dortmund. So it was a great atmosphere, I must admit. And when they all start bouncing and jumping, and uh, the, the, yeah, <laughs> I think I think uh, I nearly carried off my feet, but um, no, I, I really, I really enjoyed it. But I wouldn't go. First of all, I, I can't stand for uh, for ninety minutes, to be honest with you, and. I just, uh, as I say, I'm too small because I, I just couldn't see a thing. I wouldn't, need, I wouldn't need to be with the wee kids at the back, or at the front, looking through the the the, the wire fence to, to see to see the game. So that's that's it's got pluses and, and minuses. But obviously, if you want to create an atmosphere, uh, then we've, we've got to do it, and I'm all for it. Uh, I, I think uh, that's. I'm going to move on to players, and I can hardly see, so I'm going to mention a name. Uh, Bill, and then I'm I'm going to let you go first, and then I'm going to go away for a minute and put on lights. Um, Abdallah Sim Sima, we seem to be 
getting named that he's going to be coming in loan from Brighton. Uh, have you heard anything about this? And have you and sort of have looked at what he's like in your YouTube films? Or, or do you know him before that? I've not been on YouTube to watch him yet. Um, and I've kind of been trying to avoid doing that until we've actually either been strongly linked to a player or actually got a player in. Um, it's a bit disappointing that we'll be taking a player in on loan if he does come. You know, we're we're really supposed to be having a bit of a rebuild here and bringing players in for the future and all of that. And, you know, we'd, we were given to understand that the club's in a reasonably healthy state financially. So, you know, I'm just kind of wondering why is it that we're needing to bring another player in on loan? And, you know, so some of the recent loan deals have worked out absolutely fine. And I think we get a lot of value out of some loan players like Malik Tillman. But, you know, we've had a lot of loan players in the past sort of three, four, five years where it didn't really work out that great. Um, so I, I don't know. I'll, as I say, I'll save watching his YouTube highlight reel until it looks pretty certain that he's coming. But I'd be disappointed that he's bringing in a loan player rather than actually going and getting a player. Well, as far as I have heard, it's not a loan to buy. It is just a loan. Dave, I think you were against loan players as well. You were wanting just us to, uh, to buy players. And, and uh, yeah, loan players, you're actually just bringing them on for another team, aren't you? You're not really helping yourself. You're helping yourself short-term, but not long-term. I, I would avoid it if, if we can, to be honest. You know, this... Uh a season-long loan. But Sean has, uh, has just indicated that it's a, a loan, loan to buy. I don't know if that was a question or not, Shona, but uh, if, if there was a loan to buy option, then I could be persuaded. But if it's just a season-long loan, then then I, I wouldn't bother. I would. Uh, there must be somewhere that there'll be someone out there who we could sign permanently that we can uh, invest in uh, and put the effort in, you know, in terms of development and, and adding to our squad. I would be uh, avoiding that. You know, I mean, obviously, uh, coming from Brighton, you know, you'll be you'll be quite a decent player. Uh, but no, I would I'd be avoiding that if we can. As far as I can read here, it's a, a season long loan, so there's there's no uh, no buy uh, clause to have been putting it. I I watched it. I did watch his uh, YouTube film. Big lumpy guy. It's, uh, I think Shona mentioned there. He's over six foot. He scores a lot of goals with his head, which uh, I, I think is a, what we need, a, a, a player that we need that, because we're going to come on to other players in a wee minute, and they seem to be the other end of the scale. They seem to be... The, the, the groundsmen all need to be cutting the grass a wee bit shorter so as, so as we can see them. Uh, but um, No, he, he seems to be a, a big lump of a lad and scores a lot of goals, I think. Well, I mean, we're good, probably going to be losing Barisic. Uh, but he's probably the, the kind of player that Barisic and Tavernier would find with virtual every cross. Have you seen him, Dave? Have you had a, a glance at him? I haven't, no. No, but uh, I, I, nor will I look until, you know, a season-long loan. I, I'm surprised Michael Beale wants to get involved in this, to be honest, because I, I don't see... There is no long-term benefit in it, and I think we should take a long-term view. So I, I, I'm not for it at all. I think we... Uh, we, we do what we have to do and we move heaven and earth. We sacrifice in other areas to get enough money to buy ourselves a permanent centre forward. 
we need some goals. So if that means, you know, we that we dispense with a you know a third choice goalkeeper, you know, cover it right back, then uh, that so be it. Because uh, I think we could make sacrifices elsewhere in the pitch. But in terms of our forward line, we've seen the last couple of seasons we certainly can't. So I think we should direct our resource to where it's required. Yeah, well, he hasn't played a game for the Seagulls yet, so he'll probably uh, be a, a, a player that's not had any Premier League experience. He's just, uh, I think he played for Angers last year. He was supposed to go to Stoke on the loan, but he, through injury he, he had to put that off. So, well, we'll just see how that one develops and what happens in the future. The other thing that was mentioned today on one of these websites, I, I, they're, they're, I actually just think they're, they're just for getting hits and uh, not really. They, 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 they see a bit of news somewhere or read it and follow, follow or one of the other Rangers websites and then they put it up as a, as a, a big story, which it isn't. But I'll read it out anyway. Rangers high transfer move for final striker Daniello if Cyril Tessers bid fails. Now, Daniello, 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 sorry, he, he, uh, I've sort of uh, known about him. I've, I've watched him. He was at Ajax, and then he got put out to FC Twente. He did really well with FC Twente. He scored 17 goals from, I think it was 22 games. And he was really hot. He was absolutely on fire the first half of the season. Then he just seemed to die in the second half of the season. At the end of the season, he went back to Ajax, and Ten Hag it was at that at that time. He told him, "If you don't get up to fitness for Ajax, you won't be here. You'll be sold." And obviously, he didn't make it, so he ended up getting put out to Feyenoord. He's been at Feyenoord this year. He scored ten goals for Feyenoord this year, while he's actually been second place striker. He is. is he, he does score a lot of goals. He is quite good. He's fast. He's, uh, but, uh, yeah, small, one, one meter 74. I don't know. I, I, I can't, I can't see him being in our price range, to be honest with you. Somebody that, that's, uh, I mean, we're, we're refusing from what I've heard from another player, 3.4 million or something like that. We, we bid for another player. And, Dessers were not going to go up above a certain limit for him, then I can't see us being able to afford Danny Oak, to be honest with you. Dave, do you, do you know anything about him? Have you seen him? Well, I haven't uh, paid that close attention to him, but obviously playing in uh, Eredivisie, I'm, I'm aware of him. I mean, obviously when when I saw Feyenoord and, and he was in the team, and I think it was only the European games I saw in uh, certainly, you know, you're aware of him, but uh, I didn't pay that close attention to him. But certainly, I, I think he would be uh, more suitable than, you know, season-long loans from someone. I would be, uh, I, I'm really keen to avoid that. And a couple of people, you know, put in the comments, we need to win the league next year, we need to win the league. That's exactly the same was true last year. And exactly the same was true the year before that. So nothing has nothing's new here, guys. But we, uh, I, I would... So let's not, you know, get, sound desperate. But we uh, let's be professional. I'm sure Michael Beale knows exactly what he's after. 
uh, I, I just don't see, and I hope not, that, mm-hmm. that season-long loans are uh, part of how he wants to do it to win the league. We all want to win the league, but uh, I want to do it with Rangers players, not other teams' players, preferably. But in terms of Dano, yes, I mean, as uh, just his pedigree alone tells you that he's he would certainly be a be an option for us. And so, and really, the 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 devil is usually in the detail, as as and it is in this instance, because if Michael Beale's aware of him, what type of player he is, what type of character that he is, then can, will he fit with with what Michael Beale wants to build at Rangers or not? And if that's the case, if he ticks the boxes then we go for it and we make the, the biggest bid that we can. If we come up short, we move on to the next option. And that's how I, I, I hope Rangers will be approaching this transfer window. I don't want to get bogged down with uh, negotiations and season-long loans. And the option to buy, I could probably live with. But for uh, a single seasons, you know, I, I would be, uh, be very reluctant to get involved with that. But certainly Dan Alou looks uh, looks an option. Yeah, well, I, I don't see fine or putting him out on loan. I think if we're going to go for him, it will be a buy, and yeah. I, I would be really shocked if, if, if they sent him out on loan because he's a good second striker, somebody that gets that hardly plays any. Well, he did play out most games, but he mostly came on as substitute and Gumarez or something like that. I think you call him. He was the, the other player. He he, he actually. Was on fire for Feyenoord and kept Daniel Daniel Ho out of the team. So I mean, it was no the way Gomez or Gomez or whatever it was. I, I think you call him the the way he was playing. I mean, it was a surprise to get kept out of the team and somebody that scores ten goals just coming on as substitute every time. Then uh, it's, it's not a bad performance actually. And the other one, well, I don't know if you've. Uh, I only heard this today. I, I really didn't. I haven't heard this before. Benny Traore. Now, seemingly he was seemingly been. I'm putting a bid for him, but the bids failed. Two point eight million, and seemingly Celtic's put in a bid as well, and their bid's been accepted. And do you hear anything about this? I'd heard that both teams were interested in him, um, but I, I don't know the specifics. Uh, well, do you know what? If he ends up going to that mob, so be it. Hopefully, um, he's shite. That's all I can say. Yeah, well, I mean, it would be a shame. The boy's only 20 year old. It would be a shame if we missed out on a star player yeah, just absolutely. because we, we, we were putting in a bid that, that wasn't a sort of a relevant bid. And, yeah, it would just be, yeah, to let Celtic, Celtic get one over on us. But I mean, we, we, I mean, we've seen them having hopeless players as well. Remember the boy Roberts that came in? He was going to be a superstar. No, I think he's playing a bit of the second or third division now, is he? Or whatever. Uh, he certainly never hit the heights. And then there was another boy that had about 12-year-old or something like that that was, that was supposed to be going to be the best thing since sliced bread. And don't know where he is now. He's a, he never made it. But I mean, we, we really, this is a thing. We've got to be, if there's good talent, whether you've got to splash out a wee bit more, yeah. we should be good for it as well. I take it that's that. I mean, Dave, you've, you've been saying that for a while as well. I'm going to move on. I haven't got any other sort of a transfer news, but uh, I'm going to me- mention some a name that's been flashing about the, the, the websites. Tom Lawrence, Dave. Seemingly he's had on his uh, website that he's going to 
he's he's fit and he's 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 going to be coming back soon. That he can run and uh, you know, there was a lot of talk that it was the end of his career and uh, that it was. It was either Christmas or he wasn't going to play at all at one time. But it seemed like he's been on the internet now saying that he's going to be fit shortly. And he'll, he'll, I don't know where he'll be fit for the beginning of the season, but he was going to be back soon. I think it's the first job that Dr. Weller will have. Yeah, well, th- there's the benefit of having, you know, quality, I mean, decent medical t- staff. I don't think we have to have all the medical facilities in house, but we should certainly know where to go access. The, the absolute top medical care that we can to make sure we assess these injuries and that, you know, that when we the, the people are injured, that when we put a solution in place, that it's, it's cured as, as, as effectively for mm-hmm. all time, you know, and that the next time they're out injured, it's for, for another reason. Because it seems to be that, you know, with, with Tom Lawrence, you know, a, a minor injury became a more serious injury, became a very serious injury. And I just think we, we took some lot, we took weeks before we have exactly established what was wrong with Tom Lawrence. And, and Kemal Roof's the same, who's, you know, goes out with one thing and then we find out, you know, after he's supposedly back from from injury that, oh, he's, he's carrying an injury that's never quite healed up so well, then he's not fit. Get him sorted or get him out. It's as simple as that. We're not, a, you know, a, a retirement home for anyone. So if they, that becomes from the really the, the, the professionalism of the medical staff that we diagnose the problems. First of all, we do all we can to avoid the injuries in the first place. But when they are injured, that we access the best people possible to identify what's wrong and fix it. And if it can't be fixed, then another decision has to be made. But but by Christ, the quicker we get to those decisions, the better. There's mm. no use saying, oh, we'll, we'll wait for three months. You know, that's just no good to us. We, uh, we need to avoid all of that stuff. So I'm hoping that the Dr. Waller will be bringing, you know, a whole load more professionalism to this and making sure that, you know, we, we treat our players with the best care that we possibly can and get them as fit as we possibly can. I'm trying to think back, Dave. Um, was it Dr. Waller that sent Ryan Jack to get to the bottom of his injury? Because he had a, a, a serious injury that kept coming back. Yeah. And mm. that seems to have cleared up. I know Jack's still getting slights for other kinds of injuries, but I think the main problem that he had at that time, I think, has been sort of a cleared up. Was it Waller that, that was in, in when he when that happened? Was it him that sent him to get checked up? Do you know them? Do you know, maybe somebody will know in the comments. I do recall, yeah. I'm, I'm hoping maybe someone could uh, check yeah. anyway. tell in the comments exactly what the, who sent Ryan Jack down to London. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think it was in the Waller time, so I think it probably was him. The other thing was Connor Golson. Seemingly last week he was still walking about in a support shoe. This week he's been somebody said that he's 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 oh, he's, he's walking about now in his ordinary shoes. Uh still looks with what is it, six weeks to go before we're actually playing serious games. Uh, still a, a, a long way to go if he's just last week out a support shoe day. Oh, sorry, Bill, give Bill, otherwise you're sitting doing nothing. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. Aye, um, and it's a shame because, you know, Goldson, clearly he's kind of the linchpin of that defence. It's um, 
you know, if if we get into pre-season without Goldston and start the season without Goldston, that that, that gets to be really difficult. Much as I really like how John Suter's looked towards the end of last season, and you know, we don't yet know what's really going to happen with Ben Davies. There's been bits of gossip here and there that he might be on his way out, but I think either of the two of them play, both of them play better next to Connor Goldson. Um, so we really need him in. Hopefully, you know, having the new club doctor, as we've discussed, uh, it means that his injury isn't going to become something that takes him out for most of next season, which I think was my fear when I heard about Goldson initially being out for, you know, the bulk of the close season. Um, but just on injuries and all of that, what you were talking about there, David, you're absolutely right, you know, um, we need to get these bloody players fit and there was a couple of names in the comments there and somebody was talking about Kumar Roof and I did, I think there was, he's put something on social media along the lines of he's fit and going to be back at a pre-season level pretty soon. Um, you know, and we've been talking a lot about potential strikers coming in, the likes of Serial Dessers, uh, but where are you guys thinking on that? Because, you know, if we've got Roof fit again. I, I don't know what's going to happen with him. He might end up out again. But we've also got Antonio Cholak still in the building, and there doesn't seem to have been anything serious about him. So, is, do you, are you guys thinking we'll move one or both of them on to bring in a striker? There you go, Dave. My thoughts would be uh, Kemal Roof. If we could find a club for Kemal Roof, then I, I would uh, move him on because he's proved to be so unreliable. He's a smashing player, absolutely. Cracking goal scorer. You saw, I mean, the last season, the, the, the one game, the hat trick against St. Mirren, every one of the goals he was within touching distance of the penalty spot. I mean, we could probably convert the Malik Tillman song to Kemar Roof, give him the ball and he'll score. Because And he proved it, you know, and, and he's he came on against Aberdeen. I think he was only fit for one and a half games, still managed to win his, score the winner in the semi final. So, I mean, an absolutely invaluable player if, if he remained fit. His track record is utterly, utterly shocking. So I would be persuaded very easily to take any money we could for Kemar Roof, move him on. You know, because if Kemar Roof is declaring himself fit, then I would be putting a nice new strip on him and putting him in the shop window and say we'll take whatever we can for him. And moving into the transfer market and get something a bit more reliable, you know, put them through the most stringent, you know, medical that we can think of before they actually sign the dotted line, and then off we go. Because uh, Kemar Roof, great player, uh, excellent. You know, three range, three years at Rangers. I think he's probably featured in about uh, four months in that time. Just uh, isn't just not what we require. We need something a bit more. We need people who are a bit more robust than that, robust. and we can right. do something about that by checking them before they arrive checking their track record, and uh, obviously it doesn't come risk-free, but it, it minimises the risk, and I think we should uh, we should do what we can in that respect. So Antonio Cholak, you know, Antonio, I think for me anyway, Antonio will require us to play a certain system, which I don't think Michael Beale is heading towards. So if we're keeping him as cover, then so be it. But I think if we want to replace, you know, our number one centre-forward, whoever that may be, and have cover on the bench when someone who's who will provide a direct replacement for our number one, then that's something we should be lining up. And if Tony was an, a, a casualty as a result of trying to achieve that, then I, I would be okay with that too. Okay, my opinion is 
if we could get Kamaru fit, he's better than any striker we've got. Probably the best striker in Scotland. I think we would have we we would have if Kamaru had stayed fit last season, we would have walked the league. I really I really believe that. And Tom Tom Warrens, if we had if we had him and Roof together last season, it would have just been a completely different Rangers. Although I will, I will say. Under the fitness that we had at the beginning of last season, I don't, I, I don't know whether we, I might be uh, wrong in that one because our fitness was just absolutely hopeless at the beginning of the season. But Kamar Roof is absolutely brilliant. Can we keep him fit? The thing is, who is going to buy Kamar Roof? Who is going to take him off our hands at this moment? Because you're probably going to be paying for his, his insurance cover for the for injuries. Uh, you're going to be paying him a wage. And I just don't see any anybody taking him off his hands. I, I believe he's got a contract to twenty five, I think. And then, yeah, I don't see anybody taking him off his hands. So I think we're stuck with him. I think if we can get him fit, absolutely fantastic striker. He'll score a bar of goals. And as I say, we're not going to get him out of the building. So we're going to be we're going to have to use him when we can. And if that's yeah. three games or or twenty games. See if, see if I could just come back in there. See, there should there should not be a player of any position of any description who we are stuck with, because if Kemar Roof's not the player that's required yeah. for the team, then then we get shot of him no matter the cost. So I, I thought I mean the thought of Rangers playing someone just because we can't get rid of him uh, absolutely horrifies me. I mean I mean we've had people on here in the comments saying we need to win the league next season, and then we've and now we can. We're finding an argument to play Kemar Roof just because we can't get rid of him. Then uh, <laughs> those those two are incompatible. I would, there'll be lots of Championship clubs who will match Kemar Roof's salary at Rangers, and you know will pay us a nominal transfer fee one one and a half million and take him off board. But that that amount of money would mean probably nothing to them. It, they would they would be well worth the risk for for the return that Kemar Roof would give them. Should should you know should he remain fit? So uh, we should never, never utter the words that we have, we have Rangers players in our squad because we are stuck with them. Oh, I totally disagree with you in this one, Dave. Uh, we, we, you can't get rid of a player that's got a contract. It's as simple as that. Look at Ali McCoy. Mm. Ali McCoy sat in gardening leave to the end of his contract. Uh, I, I've, I've said over the, 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 the guy at Chelsea, was there for four years, couldn't get rid of him. He played two games at the beginning. We bought him for, I think it was about 40 million they bought him for. Had played two games or four games or something like that and then he sat on the bench for four years. You just can't get rid of a player that's on a contract. So we can't get rid of Ruth until his contract finished. Dave, I, I was... Dave, um... I completely understand that we will be, uh, he will be a Rangers player until 2025 unless something happens. I'm just saying that you know we, Rangers going into next season, and and the sole purpose of Kemar Roof being in the squad is that we couldn't sell him, and Kemar Roof won't move. That alone tells me that they're not the correct player to be playing in our team. That they want, they just want to sit there and see out a contract. That alone tells me that they should be sitting in the stand. And if they want to sit in the stand, then go let them do it, and we will have to honour that contract. But I wouldn't be playing them just because we couldn't get rid of them. 
But I, I was really surprised when you said that his um, his contract's up until twenty twenty five. Is that definitely right? Because that's a shockingly long contract, isn't it? That's that's a five year. Contract. I mean, it could be twenty four. Could be twenty four. Yeah. But he's, he's got a contract left anyway for this season. Let's put it that way. Do we think uh, that um, you know part of what we need to actually change at the club? And I I don't know enough about this, but. You know, is the the pre-employment medical something that we need to get better at? I don't know. We seem to, we seem to accept quite a quite a lot of things at the moment. Uh, I mean, yeah, I don't know whether. Uh, well, you you've seen with Suter, Suter came in, and seemingly before the time he wasn't fit, he's always had injuries, and. Yeah, he's not the first player that that, that, that that we brought in, and he's been injured right, virtually right away. And that's that's it. Seems to be we're not very good at it, and maybe that's something that Waller has to improve right away. Dave, you want to say something? Yeah, there was uh, was his first game not the uh, John Suter's first game against Livingston. Was he not mm-hmm. played that game when carrying an injury? Which yeah, I that's think what is I mean. Unforgivable. Someone there is uh, in breach of contract. Because if he's turned up and not told anyone that he had an injury and yet declared himself fit and played with an injury and made it worse, something is falling down there. We are absolutely, we're, we're made to look like keen amateurs. If, if our professionals, our medical staff don't identify an injury with John Souter or are, are incapable of identifying that he's injured, and you know he then plays, makes it worse, and he's then out for months after that, that is, uh, I mean, I would expect that of an amateur side. Not, not a professional football club, never mind a, a, a professional football club of Rangers standing. So how he got on that pitch with an injury, is should, the alarm bell should be sounding at Rangers that we that actually yeah. was allowed to happen. So that, that is absolutely frightening that we could, he arrives and then plays while injured. Scary movies. I mean, another one is Hellander. He, he, he was injured with his last club as well. He was always injured as well. And we seem to, they just seem to float past our, I can't believe that Hellander, there was not something showed up in his medical photos or whatever that didn't say injury. Because he's always been injured before us and he's always injured since us. Played a few games, he had one reasonable season. Players like that, they shouldn't they shouldn't be picked up. Because our medical team should be stopping players like that, surely, Bill. Mm. Yeah, yeah um, it's it's just uh, it's bizarre, and you know the the fact that we've also got these players getting little injuries that then become big injuries. It was happening so much the past couple of years. Those, those things combined, you know, it's, it's really really shafted us in a lot of ways. So hopefully that's what Doctor Waller's going to do is is review some of our processes and procedures and make things a bit more robust because. We kind of continue with the, the types and the levels of injuries that we've been getting the last couple of seasons. Yeah, well, I think we'll we'll, we'll finish off with that, and uh, we, hopefully, Doctor Waller comes in. That's what he's been brought in for. I take it to, to stop injuries. I would imagine he now that he's in, he'll bring in a staff to help him. And similarly, he, he, he's very good at his job, and he's, he's helped a lot of people. For other teams, so hopefully he's going to help us, and he has he has helped us in the past. Uh, Dave, thanks for coming on. Anything you want to get off your chest before we go? Uh, no, just that we've uh, we seem to have added 
uh, another friendly Olympiakos to our, our itinerary, which is uh, which is always good. I mean, I prefer the the the, the games to be at Ibrox because I just think it's save our players jumping planes around Europe, you know, for a an hour and a half game of football. I'd rather they came to us than we went to them. I know that's uh, some people like to get a wee trip abroad or or down south, but uh, no, Olympiakos should be a good test. Yeah, is that official, Dave? Hey? Is that official? Because I, I couldn't find anything. I, I read it this morning, but I couldn't find anything on the Rangers website. I don't know if it's official yet, Dave. I don't think it's been officially announced, but it, it has been rumoured that uh, Olympiakos would be here. So I think they would be a decent challenge. Apparently, we've we've never played Olympiakos, or, or we did. It was bloody 30, 40 years ago. So it'd be nice to see them. Well, but uh, it's good that we're getting the fixture list in put in place for our pre-season because obviously our pre-season will, is vitally important in terms of uh, getting this squad ready for uh, the big kickoff because that's that will be the the acid test for us and it'll be the acid test of Michael Beale. Yeah, well, I would certainly rather that we're playing teams like Olympiacos as a dub team. Teams down, third rate teams down in England or or, or Germany or whatever. Although we were, we are playing one game in Germany, I believe. Um, no, Dave, uh, you want to say cheerio to the to, to all the people listening? Bye. <laughs> Bill, you want to say cheerio and uh, anything you want to go off your chest? Uh, no, anything to get off my chest per se. Just following on from what Dave was saying there, I'm looking forward actually to. To seeing some of these pre-season games when they kick off and you know I'm actually really optimistic and really excited about the squad that we've got next season and you know one or two more players to come in um, you know I think Todd Cantwell is going to be the the linchpin for this team next season I, th- I think we're going to we're going to do really well with the squad that Michael Beale's assembled so looking forward to seeing the the pre-season friendlies kicking off and actually watching this this new look team in action uh, and just to echo Dave's words a minute ago, bye. <laughs> okay, thanks. Well, I've, I've got nothing to say. Uh, I've, I've sort of uh, spread it out for, uh, I was sitting at 30 minutes wondering how we were going to get through the rest of the, the, the podcast, but we sort of managed it. Um, all I can say is thanks for listening and have a very good evening. And we are the people. Bye. And I've,